Um, I'm going to invite our speaker up. We are, I've been pushing it a little bit. We are privileged and honored to have Dr. Jeremy Martini in the house this morning. Um, always a privilege when we have the president of the Bible school come and share his heart. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, on the tables in front of you, there is a, state, or a copy of our statement of essential truths. Um, our statement of faith was just recently refined, so there's a paper copy, there's a digital copy on the app that you can follow along, and uh, if you have any questions, make sure to write them down, because we will have a Q&A during the potluck. Um, Dr. Martini has agreed to stick around and answer any questions you might have, so uh, it's going to be a really good morning, we're excited, and uh, yeah, I will hand it off to you, sir. Well, thanks very much. It's really good to be with you. It's been a while since I've been here, and uh, so it's great to, be, great to be back with you. I'm here with, with two hats on. I always have my Horizon hat on, so we have a little booth at the back that we would be happy. I'd be happy to chat with you about those Q&As as well. Um, our really big thing at Horizon is that we're coming to you. Like, you do not, you do not need to come to us. We are coming to you. We have too much money invested in, in tech to make a really quality online experience so you can engage well with us. And we also have partnerships with places like Sask Poly uh, and the University, the business school. So you can combine studies at Sask Poly in, in anything from health, health services and biotechnology, office admin, computers and media. You combine certificate or diploma from a place like Sask Poly or, or maybe you've already got something from somewhere else. You port that into our program, you get in that same four-year period, you get a degree plus a certificate or a diploma. So it's a good, a good combo. And if you're thinking, I've already done that, I've already got something behind me, we also have a seminary. So why not start on, I'm looking at Darren, why not start on your MA in, uh, your MA in biblical theological studies, your MDiv, your, uh, we have an MA in counseling and, and uh, MA in leadership as well. So check that out. All of it can be done online. So that's that hat. Okay, I'm going to take that hat off now. Uh, and I'm really glad to be with you. And we're going to talk theology today because that's exciting. But, but I'm here not to just talk about theology. Oh, no, this is some boring thing. I'm here to talk to you about theology, but I want to, I want to, here to really just tell you a story. Because what, that's, what, that's what our theology is. That's what our beliefs are. They really... They really just tell a story. It's a story that shapes who we are. It shapes how we see the world. And in fact, the brain uh, we've discovered with neuroscience, what Aristotle told us over 2,000 years ago, is that we process the world as story. We kind of, that's just how we see the world, and so it makes sense. So, so we're going to tell a story this morning. It's a story of what, of what we believe. Uh, before we get to the story, though, um, the prologue to this story is, and I guess I'm the one doing this here, um, the prologue to the story is, is the triune God. We have, we have this, this triune God, and what do we mean by triune is this is the God that we worship as, as followers of, of Jesus, and uh, this is the God that we worship as part of the fellowship that's called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. One church is, is a part of this fellowship, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Now, 
some of you here are going to say, we're going to talk about this theology and, and God. We're going to talk about this as part of the, the PAOC, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Some of you are going to say, well, I'm, I've been a Pentecostal all my life. I already know everything that there is to know about our, our statement. Well, as Pastor Matt indicated, we, we've, we haven't changed what we believe, but we've changed how we express it. So you might get something out of this. Some of you might, for the very first time this morning, realize that you attend a Pentecostal church. This is news to you, and I'll leave Pastor Matt to, uh, to sort that out with you. Um, some of you might be saying, what's a Pentecostal? So that too, Pastor Matt will sort out, but at least by the end of this, you're going to know what these people, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, you're going to understand what it is that, uh, that we say we, we believe. And what we say we believe starts with this idea of a triune God. So we do not believe in three gods. We do not worship three gods. We worship one God. And we've always worshipped one God. And that one God uh, is a God that the, the Jews worshipped, um, Israel worshipped. We have this, this testimony about this, this one God. Um, but the way that we can comprehend this God is one God in three persons. So it's almost like if you were a two-dimensional cartoon and suddenly you had to imagine what three-dimensional existence looked like. It would be really hard to get your head around that, and that's kind of why it's so difficult for us when we talk about one God. And our, our friends, in, our Jewish friends and our Muslim friends often say, well, you guys worship three gods, and we say, no, 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 we insist. We worship one God. We understand that God in three persons. And, and because God is in three persons, there's, there's something about that God that we, that we worship um, I think I gave you the wrong slide. I've double-clicked it there. No, I didn't. Okay, there it is. Um, the, the, there's this something about the way that God is in God's own self that is, that is relational. Uh, one God we understand in three persons, but whereas we as individual humans, when we connect with people, we have family, we have friends, we have kids, right? We have people that we work with. We have relationships. We have these kind of connections that form a sort of community and we have love and the lack of that we have loneliness when we when we don't have anybody to connect with that is just part of who God is just in God's own self so God has kind of got this sort of th that sense of community that we get when we connect with others is just essentially part of God who God is without us God is has got that sense of community that community of love and and that's important because he's God's had that from eternity so so God didn't need us to fulfill something that was lacking. God wasn't lonely, but God, God just chose out of God's own sense of internal love to, to create us. And that's, that's, kind of, that's an important thing to keep in mind. So we understand God in kind of this, these kind of three parts. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's this... This idea of God that we have one God, but we kind of understand God in three persons. And, and all three of those persons are involved in all aspects of everything that God is. God doesn't stop being any of those aspects. So God the Father, we sometimes get this misunderstanding. Well, Jesus is good and loving, and God the Father is sort of wrathful and angry all the time. And Jesus is good, and God's like the, the mean dad. Um, we get that in our heads, but it's not actually true because every part of God is, a, is involved in every part of what God does. So we have this understanding that God 
the Father, he, when we think about the salvation, which is coming ahead in, an, in another part of the story, God is involved in that. God is part of what God initiated that sense of sending Jesus. And, and Jesus, uh, Jesus is God who decided to come into the world and, and dwell among us. This is still God, fully God, but fully human. And, and the language, how he came in, is the Holy Spirit hovered over the Virgin Mary. And the same language that's used there is the same language that, that is used when it's describing that God created everything. It hovered over the deep. It hovered over the chaos. It's just the Spirit hovered over the womb. So, so we have this sense, okay, this bizarre sense, one God that we experience in, in more than one way, and God has, has sent the Son and the Father, and through the Son we get the Spirit, and the Spirit comes and lives among us. All right, so we kind of get this Big, it's a big picture conception of, of God. Now, I'm not going to read these off of these um, things in front of you. That's why you have them, because otherwise we'd be here and we got potluck today. So, uh, so we're going to go quicker than that. But you can, you can read that and unpack that a little bit more. But this, you get this idea that there's one God, and we understand this God in three persons. So that's the prologue, and it's the prologue because God was there before anything else in the story. God didn't need us, but God chose God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit chose to involve us. Now, before we can really dig into the story too, we also need to, to think about how do we actually know this? How do we know anything there is to know about God? And that's where the, the Bible comes in. Now, what's the Bible? Well, we could, we could know kind of about God without the Bible. So some philosophers and scientists, they can look at the order in the universe, or they can look at the fact that there is a universe. Why is there something rather than nothing at all? Or there's order, there's stuff that makes sense, there's laws that things happen, and they can look at the idea that there's life. I mean, the, the infinitesimal chance that we just happen to have conditions right for life is like is like almost unimaginable. So we can look at some of those things and the morality in the world. Why, like, where does goodness even come from? All of these kinds of things are things that philosophers can think about. And they say, okay, based on this, we, there must be some type of divine intelligence. There must be something out there to explain this because we run out of causes if we just try to look at the causes coming from here. And so... That far they can get. We can get that far. But what we can't get from just looking around us is an understanding of the God of Isaac and Jacob. We can't get this understanding of a God who loves and will come down and take on flesh and become, become part of us. That, that part we can't get just by reasoning it out. That part we need to get only if God tells us, if he discloses to us or reveals to us more about him than we can gather just by looking around us. And so that's what the Bible is. And the Bible is, is part of what we believe as, as Pentecostals, as followers of Jesus. We believe that God took the time to work through and speak to different people throughout history. He made relationship with them. And this, this, through this relationship, he told us about himself. He told us about his character and who he is. And he told us about his purpose the saving purpose for, for humanity and for this, for this world. We get that sense of purpose, but we wouldn't have that if we didn't have, uh, if we didn't have the Bible. And so this is, where, this is where the Bible comes in. It's, 
It's something that God has revealed, and God, we say God inspired through His Spirit. He, he worked with, with individuals and communities throughout history, and the Bible is actually a collection of a whole bunch of independent writings, different books, and all of these together, they tell the story. Really, if you start with the Bible, if you take your Bible and you start in Genesis, and you go to the end of the Bible in Revelation, you get the beginning of the story, you get the end of the story, and everything in the middle is, is what's in between. It actually unfolds like a, like a long story that was composed over thousands of years. So we have the Bible. Um, the Bible is inspired, and, and because it tells us this story, uh, it also helps us to limit or to filter how do we know what's true and what's not true? How do we discern or navigate ways of living in life? And this then becomes a book because we say that this is the way that God is telling us about himself and telling us about how to live. This helps us filter out a lot of the other information that comes to us. Well, aren't all gods just God? Well, as we read this, we say, well, no, there's a divine intelligence, but he's revealed in the person of Jesus and revealed through the Spirit and He's, he's providing the way and the truth and the life. This, is, this limits some of these things. Well, can't I just do anything I want? Well, the Bible here too is saying, well, there's, there's, there's ways of being that are honoring to God and there are ways of behaving that are not honoring to God. And so this is where some of these things come in and they filter and they shape how we think. And so that's what the Bible's given for. All right, so that's the Bible. We have Old and New Testaments and, um, and it's, there for, it's there for our benefit. So that's, that's still, we're still into just sort of the intro, but now let's get into the first chapter of our story. And the first chapter is the story of creation. Why is there something at all? And, and what's the purpose of this? this? This chapter here, creation, really sets the ground. It gives us, tells us where we came from, and then it sets up the problem. Because there's a problem, if you haven't noticed, if you haven't noticed, life doesn't exactly work out quite right. But this is where, so in, in the first chapter here, we have God, God is the creator. God isn't just the creator, he's also the sustainer of everything that is. So when things, God, God, God created the world and made it, he made it good. And his intention was that it would be good and it would run in a, in a good way. Um, and everything that happens in the world that's good, we want to think about it as this is kind of like God's order. So I am not a singer at all, right? But when we have our singers up here, we can tell when there's two or three or four singers, we can tell when they're in harmony with one another. But we're also really aware quickly, as the sound person is especially, when they're not in harmony with one another. Something's off. So if they didn't invite me to come up and help lead worship this morning, because if I did, there would be something off. And you would be going, oh, Make it stop, make it stop. When God created the world, he created it uh, the way that the language is in the Bible. It's like his spirit hovered over the chaos. So I like to think of it like Lego blocks. My kids are getting older now, but, you know, we all have, if you have kids, you have a familiarity with Lego blocks because you've probably stepped on some. Uh, when, when, when your child creates something out of Lego, they are, they are creating something. They have just a jumble of nothing, and then they impose an order on it. And then that order they bring to you and declare it good. This is good. What happened in our story 
is that God created the world, imposed an order on it, and that particular order is what he declared as good. And then as the story goes, we had another agent come along and say, hey, you know what? God has told you you can do anything you want except, except this one thing. Don't eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But if you do that, you'll be like God. And so the temptation came along to say, hey, you know what? We like God. Why don't we try to be like God? We'll just have a bit of this, this fruit. And so this temptation happened. And in doing that, this ushered in a return of kind of this jumbled up chaos. So this is like at home when you've got two kids and one kid has ordered the Lego in just such a way and has declared it good and kid number two comes along and decides that they have their own ideas and rearranges the blocks. It is not so good. You have a mess on your hands. That's kind of like the way it is in the world. It's, it's like God created the world and you've got a perfect engine that's running, the timing is all right and now the world is running and the timing's off. And you know if you keep running your engine with the timing off, the problems compound, eventually that engine is gonna die and you're gonna be stuck out somewhere. That is the world now. God created it one way, it was good. Now it's running in a way that's not good. And the not good, uh, this introduces to us something called sin and with sin comes death. So sin is running out of order. This is the disorder. And the consequence of sin, what comes in, is that engine's going to go kaput. That's death. That's where we live. We live in a world that was created to be one way ordered. It got disordered. And the consequence of that is ultimately death. So that's why, that's why it is the way that it, that it is. And that part of that story that we get with creation... Um, is that there's, we aren't the only kids on the block. We don't get a lot of information about it, but we get a hint of there's more out there than just us. There's a super nature out there, another created realm, and we have these angels and these demons and these kinds of things. And, um, and it's through that that the sort of this rebellious group of other creatures came in and came in and sort of tempted us to rebel as well and put us into the mess that we're in. All right, so that's the story so far. God created the world. There is a God, and we know about it because of this Bible. He created the world. He made it good, and it became ungood. He created ordered, and we have it disordered. So now, this is when the music rises, and we have time for this is, the, this, this is the summer blockbuster action movie. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, probably not Arnold anymore. Maybe, maybe this, is, this is Dwayne Johnson coming in to rescue the people who are trapped. What are we going to do? They're trapped. There's only one person who can get in and save them. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is coming in. He's going to save the people. And this is, except it's Jesus, so... You've got to mix those, two, mix those two images together. <laughs> Jesus, the rock. No, I don't think, anyway, I don't think that's too... No lightning. Okay, no disorder here. But this is what salvation, the story of salvation is that the good world got messed up and we need it to be fixed. 
That's what Jesus did. So how is he going to do it? How is the rock going to save? How is Jesus going to save? And this is why it's so important for how uh, the, the, this triune God. Because how God is going to fix the thing that got messed up. He didn't mess it up, but it got messed up. How he's going to fix that is through Jesus. And, and Jesus, the solution then, is that God is going to come into the very mess himself. So he created a people, he created Adam and Eve, he created humans, and then out of that people, he selected a people group, he selected this group, Israel, the Jews, he said, look, you're going to be my representatives on earth. Adam and Eve, you're my representatives, you represent my image. Israel, you're going to represent my image here on the earth. Well, so far nobody's done a good job of representing so he says, I guess I have to come in and do it myself. And so Jesus comes in. God comes in, takes on flesh. He, he takes on humanity. All right. He doesn't cease to be God, but he takes on something that's less. Now, if there's any science fiction fans, if there's any Doctor Who fans, all right, this is like the TARDIS. Jesus, it's, it's bigger on the inside. So it's like he takes on the little phone booth, but it's bigger on, he's still God, still fully God. On the inside, it's infinitely large, but he takes on the outside. So that's kind of maybe how you, if you don't, aren't a Doctor Who fan, that didn't help you. But anyway, <laughs> Jesus is God, and he's fully human, and that's the way that he solves the problem. So he, he is, he's going to give himself over to these powers, these chaotic powers, the sin and the death that gets let, that gets let in, and Whereas the first human, Adam, Adam and Eve, the first human representatives, disobeyed, and through that disobedience, through that rebellion, it just ushered in and undid all of the good order through, a, through an act of obedience, things start to get back put into order. So Jesus obeys, so he's undoing, this is kind of like undoing the thing that caused the problem undoes it, and the order comes back in. The consequence of, him un, of his obedience is that he, he goes to death, even death on a cross. He sheds his blood and dies, and it looks like those powers, the, the powers of chaos, the, the evil enemies there, it looks like they kind of win, except that God then raises him up from the dead and sits him at the right hand. Now, the image of sitting at the right hand, again, you're thinking three people, the, the right hand language is about authority. This is a statement of God's authority. Jesus is exercising the very authority and power of God and sitting at the right hand, and he is making a way. So by being obedient, so Adam did one thing, caused all the chaos, and all of us get stuck in it. When Jesus undid that, he made a way. He made like a a doorway, a pathway. And those who say, I'm going to get on board with that, those who give themselves over and say, I'm going to turn away from the Adam way, and I'm going to go to the Jesus way, it's like he's created this path. And those of us who are in him have this pathway now to what's, what's about to come. Uh, and so, so this salvation here is available to, to everybody. It's available to everybody. That's part of the story. So the rescue mission, Jesus, God comes on a rescue mission to save us, and it's for everybody. And when we do that, some things happen. Then we, we receive the Spirit. We're, we're, 
any of the things that we did while we were under the influence of these disordered agents, they get wiped out. We're okay. We're now on the pathway to the, to the good order, to the harmony, where I'm not in the choir anymore. The harm, maybe I have a special, maybe in that way I, I sing with harmony. Oh, hey, I'm in the band in the next time, in the next world. Okay. Meanwhile, I'm stuck in this one, and my, I don't have this harmony. And so that's there for us, that harmony. And we're on this pathway, and it's available for everybody, and we're reconciled with God. The thing that, that the Lego blocks that were out of kilter are put back into order. They're getting put back into order. And, and so Jesus came, and he proclaimed the reign of God, the kingdom of God. When you read that, read that, that is God's order. That is God ruling the world as it was meant to be. And so we are stuck right now in between. Jesus came and he announced, hey, the, the kingdom is coming. God's reign is here. I've started it. I've overcome death. It's done. Um, and so we are, you're in me, says Jesus, and it's coming. And you just are, as you're, as you're in me, you can already start to get a foretaste of what that good order is like. And that's where we see things that are remarkable happening. We see miraculous healings, and we see, we see these things that seem to go against nature happening because they're part of that good order that's meant to be breaking in already. But it's also why we don't always see it. Because we're like, well, how come sometimes this happens and sometimes it doesn't happen? And, and here we are, we're just, we're just about out of, uh, out of seeding season, and... We're waiting for harvest season, and we're on the in-between. We're in the wait, hope, and pray season, right? So when, when harvest comes, when it starts to come, you just get a little bloom, right? If you're doing canola, you get that one little flower. You get that, that, first, that first head of wheat. But you don't, you don't go out and start harvesting when you see the first one. But you see that first one, and it's a, it's a first fruit. It's a foretaste, and you know, hey, this is a sign that there's more to come. And then you wait for the harvest. We're at that period of time right now where we've got a couple of little blooms. And those little blooms, when someone is healed, when we have these miraculous encounters, when that happens, that's, that's not the end. That's just a telling us there's more coming. It's a sign of what's to come. And so we have that now, and we have the Spirit with us now. So that's part of salvation. All right, and that's, so that's, that's a big part of the story. Now, as Pentecostals, we have this, this sort of other level that, that comes along with that, and that's what we call spirit baptism, and it comes from the book of Acts, and the book of Acts chapter 2 in particular. And, and when we read this in Acts 2, it was after Jesus rose from the dead and he told the disciples, hey, listen, I want you to go out from here, I want you to go to the ends of the earth and tell people all about me and tell them all about my way. And I'm going to give you an empowerment that's going to help you make that proclamation. And so the, the disciples are, are gathered in an upper room. Jesus has gone. And the Holy Spirit comes, and it shows up like tongues of fire. And it come, comes upon them. And they all start speaking in these tongues or these, these weird languages. And all these people are there at the time. And they all hear the proclamation of Jesus in his way and the the kingdom of God. They hear all of this in their own languages, and it's kind of this miraculous event. And this is what, what, what we call, or what Luke calls, the baptism of the Spirit. 
The baptism of the Spirit is this, is this activity of the Spirit that people speak in these different languages, these tongues, but the purpose of that, the purpose of these tongues isn't for self-edification. It's, not to, it's certainly not to make someone feel like they're more spiritual than someone else. The purpose of it is it's a sign as well. This is a sign that you're empowered to go out and to tell people the good news about Jesus. So people who have had this experience, they are empowered to bear witness. They're empowered in their praying about witnessing to the kingdom of God. It's a, it's a sign of that. It is not, and even though, and, and for Pentecostals, some, some have to repent of this. This is not a sign that, oh, if, if I've had this experience and you haven't, I'm, I'm more spiritual than you or I'm more spir- special than you. That's never the way that it was intended to be, although it is how some have taken it. And, uh, and that's not, that's, so that's not a helpful thing um, because everybody who believes in Jesus receives the Holy Spirit and are part of that. And when, that's something that all people who decide to follow the way of Jesus all receive that, have, have the same Spirit. And the Spirit is meant to bring unity, not disunity. And it's meant to form a people. And that leads us to the next chapter, which is, the people that the Spirit forms when we follow Jesus is the church. And so those of us who, uh, who say, I'm following the way of Jesus, we're called together, we're all called to be one body, is the way the Bible talks about. And the body is Jesus' body, and Jesus is the head, and all the people that follow Jesus have the same Spirit, and so Jesus turns ahead and kind of like our head moves us, it tells us what to do, it tells us how, how to be. And so a, a church here is, is a part of the body, but everybody who lives anywhere who has just said they follow Jesus also has the same spirit, and that binds us all together. And part of that is we have this shared experience of God, we worship together, we're called together, but we also do some practices. And some of the practices that help us form our body um, form us in the body is are some of these things that we do like praying and worshiping and and two of the things in particular are baptism and communion and I only got one more section after this um, but baptism and and communion or the Lord's Supper baptism uh, we just do once and that's when we're taken and we put under the water and we're raised up from the water well, what what are people doing that for well we're taken under the water and lift it up out of the water, that is us acting out the dying of Christ and the rising of Christ when it is turning our back on the chaos and the disorder and committing ourselves to walking in the way of order. When we take the Lord's Supper together, which we do more regularly, we're remembering the way that Jesus has come and the way that he is coming again. We take this in remembrance of that God himself entered in to save us out of this mess and what it cost in terms of his death and the pathway that that formed. And as we do it, we're saying, and we know he did that and we know he's coming again and that it's all going to work out um, in the end. And, and so we're, we do that collectively. That's not something that we do on our own. That's not a private spiritual practice. It's something we do together. And we're given gifts and abilities to help act in the body. But we're waiting for Christ to come. And now, okay, we are here at the conclusion. 
seven sections. It's tough to get through here in, in a short period, but this is the last section, the, the restoration. This is, what, this is what we're waiting for. All right, so we've had, we have this God who doesn't need to create us, but is just a God of love, this communal love, and creates us, and we decide to not follow, and we get into a mess, and God says, I'm going to come in. I'm going to save you out of the mess. I'm coming again, and, that, and our great hope is for that time that Jesus is going to come back and the mess that we experience right now will be made right. All the things that are wrong will be made right. All of the injustices we've suffered, God, who is justice and is truth, will make right. And, and so we have, we have this hope, we have this expectation, we're waiting. Those of us who are sick, our sickness, and, and even those who have died, that isn't a limiting factor. Those who have died will be raised up like Christ was raised up because death is going to be no more. Death is defeated. Death is one of those chaos powers that was not meant to be. When that's defeated, there is no more death. Those who are dead, God raises up. Those of us who are alive, we're still infected by death. We all have sickness. We got stuff that's out of order. All of the disorder is ordered, and we are excited and hopeful for that happening and ultimately in the end there's no more death no more crying no more pain and that's why as a church together we pray the very last prayer of the bible amen come lord jesus come and so that's a that's a very quick overview you're going to be able to do a little more detail in the in the fall but if you are wanting you had lots of qr codes today a couple more for you um, if you're wanting a little more on this, we just did a, a little commentary on this statement of essential truths, and so you can do that. And my colleague, Dr. Andrew Gabriel, on his, uh, on his blog, he also has some comment on this as well. So, thank you so much. I know that was a lot to take in over one big, one big swallow, but, um, but I hope it whets your appetite for a little bit more when you do study this in more detail this fall. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Dr. Martini. Uh, like we said, um, kind of like drinking through a water hose or fire hose. That was a lot. Uh, so we will have a Q&A afterwards. If you got some questions, if you want us to go a little more in depth, and as Jeremy said, uh, the plan this fall, because we're going to finish Romans in June, uh, the Wednesday Bible study will transition. We're actually going to go through the statement of essential truths, but we won't do it all in one night. We will take it nice and slow. We will go through section by section, um, because I think it's important for us as as a church to know what our statement is and have a really firm grasp on it. That's why we're doing the elementary series. That's why we're uh, studying the things that we're studying. So I'm excited for the fall. Um, we'll pick up a few of those commentaries if anybody's interested in having one.